how it lights my path, how it guides my way. Good morning that Emma is going to share on, and then we, you'll pray for Emma as well, won't you, before she comes to bring the word. So let's find our Bibles or our phones and follow along. Morning, everyone. The passage we're looking at this morning is in Luke chapter 6, following on from where we were last week. Uh, Luke chapter 6, this week we're starting at verse 27, uh, so that's where I'll be beginning, and we're going down to verse 36. Luke chapter 6, verses 27 to 36. Jesus said, But I say to you that here, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. To him who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also, and from him who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you, and of him who takes away your goods, do not ask them again. And as you wish that men would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what credit is it that you, to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return and your reward will be great and you will be the sons of the Most High for he is kind to the ungrateful and the selfish. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. Amen. Emma, do you want to come forward? I have to say, Emma, it's always a pleasure to see you. And in relation to the question that Debbie was raising about are you actually from the north, <laughs> um, I d I'm, I'm not familiar with the M6. I'm more familiar with the A1M because I'm originally from the northeast. But when, when you go up the A1M, the signs saying the north, Indicate, indicate that they, they continue to say that as far as Darlington. <laughs> I, will, I, I will let you tell us how, how far you need to go on the west to sit up before you're in the north. <laughs> let me pray for you. Father God, I, I do thank you for Emma, for all that you've put upon her heart to bring to us this morning, for the many blessings she gives to um, her congregation and to others that she works with. We pray that we will know that blessing today. May you Open up people's hearts and minds to receive your word as Emma brings it. And may this be a word that challenges us and blesses us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So Morning, everybody. Morning. Am I on? Is that okay? It's so lovely to be with you. It just feels like home. So it's really lovely to be here. Thank you so much for having us. It's nice to look around because I've seen many faces that I recognize from walking past in Revive and other people I know from other contexts. But... Uh, we are so grateful as Hope Church and crew to be part of ICTHUS. From our, our very first conversation that we had with Roger in the um, ICTHUS house garden 
13 and a half, so it must be probably 14 and a half years ago. Um, we've been treated with such grace and support and love, and we love being part of what God is doing uh, with ICFAS across the nation, and um, we really appreciate that the prayer that's gone into to Hope Church over these years, everything that we've been through, you guys have stood with us and prayed with us, and we just thank God for what he's doing, and it's just lovely, isn't it? That Jesus is alive. He's at work across our nation, and we love to be part of it. We do consider ourselves the Northwest. We are not the Midlands. So we are the North, um, but not as far North as you can go, obviously. You can still go quite a long way further. Um, we're kind of, we're crew, which is Cheshire, which is, so if you look at Wales, we're kind of just at the top of Wales into England. Um, we're a little kind of, it's a town of 80,000, probably 1% Christian in that town, which is not very much, as you can tell. Um, you feel like every conversation you're having is with people who actually have never heard the gospel or really don't know about it or else they're from another nation and their background could be who knows what. So we just thank God for what he's doing and uh, we just so appreciate um, that God is at work and he's alive. I did also want to just thank you for the way you look after our kids. We now have two of our kids living in London and the other one pretty much on and off. But um, you just look after them so well, and we so appreciate the support they've had, and also the fact they've got a, a church home that, that has just been home from home straight away. So bless you for that. So we're looking today um, at verse 27. I know you've been looking at the chapter. We're looking, also looking at Luke in our church as well. We're a few chapters different, but we just take it so slowly. We're not very good at kind of feel was like, we're going to finish Luke by Easter. But I think we're on chapter 11 or something, and I'm like, mm, don't think so. <laughs> I was looking at where we, what we did in chapter 6, and it was like it was, just, it was a year ago, so it's taken us a whole year to do five chapters, which is not the best. But there we go. The Lord's speaking, so that's good. So the context is, if you look at verse 17, Jesus um, was on the mountain. He's just come down the mountain. Verse 17 says, Jesus came down with his disciples and stood on a level place, and there was a large crowd of his disciples and a great throng of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the coastal region of Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases, and those who were troubled with unclean spirits and were being cured. All the people were trying to touch him, for the power, power was coming from him and healing them all. Can you imagine the scene? A dramatic scene. People who were desperate to meet with Jesus, desperate to see him, to hear him, to touch him. They wanted him to do something in their lives. They were hungry for him. And this passage that we're going to read, it's very challenging. It deals with our thoughts and our attitudes. It deals with our words. It deals with our actions. It deals with how we treat people around us, being like our Heavenly Father. So Jesus starts in verse 27 for this section saying, I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Are we actually listening? Jesus says to the people who are listening, his disciples, the wider group of disciples and all the people, are you listening? I say to you who hear, if you hear, I've got something to say to you. If you're listening, I've got something to speak to you. And they're quite challenging things for us, aren't they? Do you know, we need to never stop listening to Jesus. We need to never stop hearing his word to us. If we stop hearing from Jesus, then we become like a clay pot that is not, no longer being worked on. It's no longer got the, the, the water that's kind of keeping it moving or the hands that are shaping it. If we just become like a clay pot that, that will dry out and become cracked, we become not useful for anything. Now, I know it's not a perfect analogy, but this morning, I feel the Lord wants to just encourage us. Are we still disciples? Are we still disciples? 
Are we still those who are listening, longing to be like our Savior? Are we those who, a disciple is someone who wants to be just like the person that they're listening to, who wants that person to be able to speak and, and change us and challenge us. And the challenge when we're, when we're believers is to keep listening, to keep, keep um, able to be moved, able to be worked on. When we're discipling other people, when we're trying to bring other people to know Jesus, the challenge is to keep them open to Jesus, open to hearing his word, open to receiving what he wants to speak. Maybe many of us can think of some people who stopped listening to Jesus, whose lives suddenly their words become harsh and their attitudes are not the same as they were. We don't want to be like that, do we? We want to keep ourselves sensitive to the Holy Spirit, sharing with with what God is doing, sharing with our lives with others, sharing our life with Jesus, letting him keep speaking into our situation because our next situation is not the same as the past one. We so need his living presence and his life in us. It was interesting listening this morning about your outreach yesterday, the new people coming into church. It's so great, isn't it? When we come to church, there are so many different kinds of people. And I look around at our church on a Sunday morning and I look and I'm like, goodness me. Crew was very much, when I was growing up, we grew up in Crew. Um, my dad was a pastor there. And it was very much white working class. Everybody worked in Rolls Royce or in the railways. That was it. Um, there was just a few, probably from Jamaica, a few Chinese people. And there was, that was maybe a few Polish. Really very much, you know, monoculture. And in the last 20 years, 18 years, we've suddenly become a melting pot of all the nations. We just never expected. And it was quite a shock for, for crew the first year. I think 2005, I think there were 5,000 Polish people who moved into crew. And people were like, what is going on? What is going on? People aren't driving right. They're not doing things the way we've always done them. Um, there was just all sorts of different takeaways coming up. And people were not quite sure how to handle it all. Now... You know, you walk down the street near us and there's hardly an English voice that you hear because the center of crew is very much mixed nations. We do feel like, really, we didn't have to go abroad to reach the nations. The Lord's brought them to us. And church on a Sunday, I look out and I go, oh, my goodness. We have our services, our songs in Farsi as well as in English because we've got about 40 asylum seekers from Iran who um, are in crew. And... Uh, it's just as you look out to church, you know, you've got new Christians, you've got people who've come back to Jesus, people who've been Christians for years, people who've been preachers and pastors. But you know, no matter what stage we're at, no matter whether it's your first time here or you've been here for your whole life, Jesus still has something to say to us. He still has things to change in us. There's a lifelong process of becoming more like him, more easy to live with, more beautiful in the things that we do, more able to hear his voice and his spirit moving through us. This morning, let's just encourage ourselves. Lord, we want to hear your voice today. We want to be like you. We don't want to lose this beautiful sense of our journey with Jesus and living to live for him. So in verse 27, where Jesus starts to speak, he's very direct, isn't he? He says it very clearly as it is. He says this, verses 27, 28. I say to, those, to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, Pray for those who mistreat you. He's saying, treat your enemies in entirely the opposite way that your enemies would treat you. Come in the opposite spirit. Treat them with incredible generosity because then we're sons of our Father. Then we have the spirit of our Heavenly Father in us. How can we actually do this? How can we turn our cheek when someone hits us? 
How can we bless and love those who hate us? How can we do good to, to others unless we know the love of the Heavenly Father in us? Unless we really know his generosity towards us? Because this is how God treated us. He loved us when we were his enemies. He did good to us when we hated him, when we didn't know him. He blessed us when we cursed him or when we ignored him. He prayed for us. Jesus still prays for us. You know, God gave himself for us when we didn't care about him. He gave his own son, Jesus. He searched out for us when we were far away and brought us back. He shed his blood so that we might have the victory. You know, God is unfailingly generous to us. He's full of mercy. And when we know our own hearts, we know how amazing that is, that we are actually, we receive day by day the mercy of God who forgives our sins, who heals our diseases, who redeems our lives from the pit. Now, when we discover this is what God is really like, then we've got a hope of emulating him because he comes to live in us. And we need to know who our heavenly father is. We need to know just what he's like. You know, when our kids were little, and we have three kids, um, everybody used to say they looked like each other, but they couldn't quite work out whether they looked like me or whether they looked like Phil, but they looked like each other. I guess that's a good thing. But now, as they're growing up, everyone says they all look like Phil, right? They say, yeah, yeah, Judah looks so like Phil. Oh, Nathaniel looks just like Phil. Oh, Anna looks just like Phil. I'm sure it's not such a compliment for Anna, maybe. I don't know. But um, it's just interesting, isn't it? As we grow up, we start to look more like our dad, and may that be our, our, our story too, that as we grow up, we become to look, we look more like our heavenly father because he lives in us and we spend time with him so our expressions become like his expressions. You know, God's kind of love towards us is doing good to those who don't love us, blessing those, actively doing something good in the face of ill treatment, actively doing something positive. It's not just choosing not to act in the same, it's not just kind of, well, I'm turning my cheek so that you can hit me again. It's actually saying, I am not acting back to you in the way that you've acted to me. I'm not going to hit you back. I'm going to say, I'm going to do something positive. I'm not going to receive, not going to choose not to act in the same way. I'm choosing not to retaliate. You know, we don't live like the world, do we, as God's people? I don't know whether you have any enemies, whether you feel like you have enemies, People who hate us, people who are abusive to us, there's always something like that in various places, aren't there? But when we look around the church on a Sunday morning in Crewe, we know that there are 40-odd people who've come from nations where they have physical enemies, people who've tried to kill them, people who have tried to beat them up we had, because they became a Christian. There's one guy who got baptized a few months ago, and he was a wrestling teacher, He's a little guy, but he's strong as anything. And um, he said that he became a Christian and he started to talk to his students about Jesus. And um, the authorities came in, they took him out, they beat him up, they took away his job. He wasn't allowed to work anymore. He was, his life was in danger, so he had to flee the country. So when we talk about these things, you know, doing good to our enemies, we're not just talking notional. We're actually talking there are many people who face this day after day after day. And maybe in our situations, we have different situations. And it's always a challenge, isn't it, when you speak um, to people who are in, they've come through things that we have not had to experience. But God's word speaks into our lives. Jesus said in verse 22, a bit earlier, Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you, and scorn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice on that day and jump for joy, for behold, your reward is great 
in heaven. When we act act with the love of Jesus in the face of insult, in the face of difficulty, then our reward is great in heaven. The Lord recognizes what he is doing in our lives, and there is great joy in that. And it is a challenge for for us many times. Um, One guy from Nigeria, he's come to crew to work, and he realized there were all these asylum seekers who have, you know, they basically live in a hotel or a house. They have very little money, very little things things to do. Um, The Christians, they've left their possessions. Some of them aren't with their families anymore. Very hard situations, but they come to church and they worship God. They come to church with joy because they know Jesus. One guy, he's been with us for five years. Um, He's got his asylum. He works in crew. He's got a little shop that he set up where he repairs anything. If you ever need anything repairing and you're in the north, he'll repair it for you. But he said to me, he showed me pictures of his house that he'd built himself. And he said to me, I've left all this behind, he said, but Jesus is better. And that is just a challenge to us, isn't it? When we face these kind of things, can we say, Jesus is better. He is worth all the things that we might have to face on account of our faith. Tom Wright said this about this passage, this section. He said, think about the best thing you can do for the worst person and go ahead and do it. Think of what you'd really like someone to do for you and do it for them. Think of the people to whom you are tempted to be nasty and lavish generosity on them instead. It's a beautiful picture of God's kingdom. And that is what we're called to. It's a sharp contrast to the world around us. His kingdom is opposite. It's upside down. It's full of life. I don't know if you heard the story of a a man called Peter Miller. He was a Baptist pastor um, and friends with George Washington. So it was a few years ago. But Miller had a bitter enemy called Michael Whitman who did everything he could to frustrate him, to humiliate him. One day, Mr. Whitman was arrested for treason and sentenced to die. So Peter Miller, the pastor, walked 70 miles to plead for his life. General Washington said he was sorry, but their friendship was not enough to pardon the life of Michael Whitman. My friend, the old preacher said, he's the bitterest enemy I have. When Washington realized he'd walked 70 miles to offer practical assistance to an enemy, he granted the pardon. It's just a lovely picture, isn't it? Do we go out of our way to be kind to our enemies, to be merciful to them, to be gracious to them, to love them in place of the treatment we receive? God's love goes beyond. Verses 29 to 31, it talks about going beyond um, what people do to us. So we're not inviting people to be unkind to us, but we're breaking the action and the reaction cycle and saying, I am going to do good to someone who's done something bad to me. Galatians 5 verse 14 said, the, in- the entire law is sum- summed up in a single decree. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now we know Jesus' definition of neighbor was the, the good Samaritan. You have a man that was hated by their people, Somebody who is in trouble, someone it would take a lot of effort to help them in time and in money, somebody in need, and that is the person that Jesus says is our neighbor. The Lord wants us to think about about these things. The words search us, don't they, and challenge us. Are we willing to go way beyond what is normal for somebody who is not a friend, somebody who is different to us? Galatians 6 verse 10 says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. And I think that's a lovely place to start, isn't it? As we have opportunity, let's let the goodness of God 
flow out from us, first of all, to those who know Jesus, first of all, to those who are around us. It's no good if we can love our enemies, but we can't love our brothers and sisters, is it? We need to be filled with the love of God for those that he's put in our, our, our lives and our families and our situations. Now, verse 29, Jesus talks about, whoever takes away your coat, do not withhold your shirt from him either. Now, maybe Jesus was exaggerating here. It's not very often, is it, that someone says, give me your coat and give me what you're wearing underneath it. It doesn't happen very often. But maybe Jesus is saying, go way beyond, way beyond what they would do, what you would expect someone to do. Maybe someone would give you a coat if you saw someone in need. You'd give them a coat. We need to do the radically generous thing because then we're like our Heavenly Father. It's always a challenge for us um, when we have a new group of asylum seekers in crew because we run a drop-in. We've run a drop-in for asylum seekers for five years in December. When we first started, there were about 30 in the town. Now there's about 500. Amazingly, we manage every time. But when a new group of people come in, they come in thinking that we're a shop. We basically have, um, we have food donated by Marks and Spencers and Aldi, and they can help themselves to that. We give them a nice coffee. We have clothes. Um, when we have shoes, we give out shoes. When we have bikes, we give out bikes to people who need them. There's English conversation classes. So it's a bit of a hub of activity. It's full of life. But when a new group come in, they come in like, I've been here two weeks, and you haven't given, any, given me a bike and shoes. And we're like, have you seen our list? <laughs> I've got a list of 10 pages of people who need shoes. And Phil's got like 70 people on his bike list at the moment. And um, sometimes it's really hard because you're like, we're not a shop. We're not here to be a shop just to meet every need. But I've decided that my answer is always going to be, do you know why we do this? And the, um, I'll tell you another story in a minute. But we do it because Jesus loves you and because we love you. And if we have something, we will give it you. But if we don't have it, we have to, you know, we don't have it. But when we have it, we will give it. If I had shoes, I would give you shoes today. It's, uh, but we have recently, the, the, some of the Christian asylum seekers said, can you make sure there's a, um, a cross on the wall? Because we have our own little building, but we don't meet there on a Sunday because it's too small. Um, and they said, we want people to know when they come in, this is about Jesus. This is not just a nice building or nice people doing nice things, but this is about Jesus. So we have a cross on the wall now, and it's interesting how everybody has noticed. And they're like, ah, so when you could talk about Jesus, they realize what it's, what's going on. It makes me laugh sometimes because sometimes there's one guy a couple of weeks ago and um, he ha- we said to him, how many shoes do you have? How many pairs of shoes? And he goes, oh, five. And five pairs of shoes. So we normally, t- if they've got one pair of shoes, sometimes we'll give, be able to give them another one because usually they've worn them and they're pretty dead. But at the moment, we have so many new people, we basically have to say, if you have no shoes at all, we'll try and give you shoes. But this guy was so, he said, I've got five pets. So he said, I'm really sorry, we just can't give you that. You've got shoes, you, you know, you're okay in the rain. So he went away, came back two minutes later, and he'd got flip-flops on. And we're like, did you really think we wouldn't notice that you'd changed your shoes for flip-flops? Anyway, he came back this last week saying, I'm desperate for shoes. Please can I have shoes? So I was like, Lord, I'm going to just go beyond and give him the pair of shoes. Um, it's just interesting, isn't it? Our constant challenge is when someone asks for something from us is to know how to help. And obviously, we can't help in every situation, and not every situation is a situation that is, by giving, will be a, a positive result from that. But Jesus is just saying here, be full of Jesus. Be full of Jesus. We t- challenge the constantly to the team that we have. Just let, let God give you his grace for today. Let God give you his love for today. 
so that you can actually, doesn't mean we don't put some boundaries in, but after a few weeks, we've, had, we've noticed people settle down. They start to realize people care for them. They start to realize there's a smile on our face when we talk to them, that we notice who they are. And that maybe we haven't got something particular, practical for them, but if we could get it, they know we will try and do it. We need to be filled with Jesus so that we have got the grace and the love to be able to reach out and help the world. Verse 31 says, treat people the same way you want people to treat you. You know, if you were in someone's shoes, if you were one of the Ukrainians that had to leave their country and come to the UK a year ago, how would you want to be treated? If you were one of those who had to go somewhere else, then how would we want to be treated? Let's treat people in the way that we want people to treat us. We have a lovely lady in church. Um, She came a year ago from Ukraine, got two little kids. Her husband's a pastor in Ukraine. And he spent the last year kind of rescuing people from the borders, serving people that the aid that goes in is better, best distributed through the churches. And they've seen the Lord do some wonderful things. He was given permission to come out of Ukraine a few weeks ago for three weeks, only three weeks. And then he had to go back. And seeing the two little kids, the kids were six months and three when they came. And now, 18 months later, it's quite a big thing for them. But they lived, they lived, she lives so positively. This lovely lady called Olya. Her husband's had to go back to Ukraine. But she lives so positively. And it makes me laugh when we have, you know, we have a parenting group on a Monday every now and again. And the ladies, you know, the British ladies, the hard things that they go through. And being a parent is hard. But when she prays for them, then suddenly it gives us a bit of a perspective. She's got a much harder situation than we have. And she prays and the Lord ministers to people's lives. But, you know, no matter what situation we're in, the Lord's way of living is positive. It's bringing life into the situation. Someone described it as flowers breaking through concrete. Do you know that's what you are? You are a flower that breaks through the concrete of your workplace, a flower that breaks through the concrete of the street that you walk down, of the people that you talk to. God's life will burst out through you, through us. His love will burst into an angry world. And that's what we're to do. That's what we're called to do, to bring his life and his love in our situations. I remember praying a lot for our teenagers as they were in, uh, in high school, our, our own ones personally, but many others, because they're in such a dark place. It's such a hard place to be a Christian, to live positively anyway, that, they would, that the Lord would protect them and guard them. And we really need to make sure that we cover our teens, don't we? Particularly those who are very sensitive to spiritual atmospheres, that they would be able to stand full of Jesus, not receiving the stuff around them, but actually bursting that, bringing that life into those beautiful situations. You know, Jesus' life was an example of what he talked, talked about. He healed all who came to him. Even when he went aside to spend time alone and people found him, he gave up his time alone to minister to people. And, you know, sometimes we, we feel like we have to protect ourselves or protect our stuff because we don't have very much. But Jesus is saying that we can actually surrender it to him and he will work out how this works out for us. Verse 32 to 35, the whole reason that we can act with, with this radical generosity is because of our great heavenly father who acts with mercy. Verse 32 says, what great thanks is, is, is due to you if you're able to love people who love you? If you're able just to be, do good to those who do good to you, what reward do you expect for that? Even sinners can do good things to people who do good to them. But we're called to be like our Heavenly Father, who does good to those who don't know him. He pours out mercy 
on those who don't know him. Verse 35, 36. Love your enemies, do good and lend expecting nothing in return and your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High for he himself is kind to the ungrateful and evil men. So be merciful just as your father is merciful. I love that last verse in the Passion Translation. It says, um, be like your father who is famous for his kindness to heal even the thankless and cruel. It's translated from the Aramaic. Do you want to be like your father? He's famous for his kindness. We want to be just like him. This morning, the Lord would pour out his fountain of life, the fountain of life that comes from him, his Holy Spirit, into us so that we can pour it out to others. I love that verse, John 1, verses 4 and 5. One translation says, A fountain of life was in him. Jesus had a fountain of life in him. I don't know if you've heard about a man called Charles Bradlaugh. He was an outstanding intellectual in London in the 19th century. He challenged a local preacher of the gospel to a debate in London. And the debate was to compare the claims of Christianity with the claims of atheism. The minister agreed to the challenge on one condition. That Bradlaugh would bring a hundred people whose lives had been changed by their commitment to atheism. And if he did that, then Hughes would bring a hundred people whose lives had been changed by their commitment to Jesus. To drive his point home, he said, actually, if you could bring 50 people, then I will meet with you in debate. Debate with you. Actually, if you could bring 20 people, I would meet with you and debate with you. In fact, could you bring 10 people whose lives have been changed by atheism? And Bradlaugh had to withdraw from the debate because he wasn't able to bring even 10 people whose lives had been changed. Do you know, our God is a God who changes lives. Our God is a God who changes the inside of a person. Our God is a God who changes our attitudes, our actions, our words, the things that we do. So we have many questions to ask ourselves this morning. How do we treat people? What do we think about people who treat us badly? Can we actively do good to those who don't treat us very well? Our possessions are also something that's challenged in here. It reminds us that our possessions belong to God. And maybe somebody else needs something we have more than we, we need it. All of our things belong to him anyway. This morning we want to receive that fountain of life that spreads God's life and God's kindness everywhere. And the, the verse says, then your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High. Do you know God's smile is on those who look like him? He knows. He knows how hard it is sometimes. He knows what difficulties we face. He knows those who are not good to us. And yet when we choose in the strength of Jesus, by his spirit, to live in a different way, then this, things change in this world. There was a guy that uh, became a Christian a few years ago in church. And at that time, Phil was teaching A-level geography just a few hours a week at the local college. And it started from, he said to Phil, how do you deal with stress? There was nobody in the office at the time, and Phil was like, you know, conversation out of nowhere. And uh, Phil said, well, I pray. I ask God to give me what I need in that situation. That was a throwaway comment, and then it left it. From that point on, that guy was started to read his Bible. He read through the New Testament. He's a, 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 lawyer, a lawyer, a law lecturer. And as he read the New Testament, he realized that this must be, this must be true. Because of all the legal 
investigations he brought to it. And he came to the point where he said, I've got to know Jesus. I've got to know who this is. And it's very interesting, isn't it, how just one little conversation that you have can actually change somebody's whole life, can change their eternal destiny. Somebody where you find you can speak just a little word. Yeah, Jesus helps me in stressful situations. Even that, it was something completely different that he'd never thought about before, and he drew him to Jesus. You know, Jesus lived full of generosity, Crowds flocked to him. They wanted to be with him. They, of course they wanted to be with him. They wanted to hear everything he had to say. They wanted to hit, feel his touch on their lives. His life was just like the Father, the life and love of the Father flowing through him, the visible image of the invisible God among us. And are we not called to be like Jesus, lights in this world, because he lives in us? Don't you want to be just like your heavenly Father? You know, Jesus, he didn't retaliate when people struck him. He wept over the city that rejected him, and he was willing to give his whole life that we might have life. You know, I love the fact that when I come to London, this is miles away from us, God's just doing something beautiful here. I love the fact on a Sunday when we meet in crew, we say, Lord, there are churches that are preaching the good news of Jesus all across our nation. We have to be the place where people can find Jesus. Where else are they going to find him? We have to be the light in our workplaces. Who else is going to speak about him? Who else is going to show what he's like? He is kind and he is among us and he's in his people and he changes this world to us. May our nation yet feel the touch of God in a new way through his people. I wonder this morning if we could just respond in a couple of ways. Firstly, the Father has lavished his love on us. He's lavished his generosity on us. Every single good thing we have is from him. His mercy is, flows out to us every day, even when we don't deserve it. And that is most days, isn't it? He loves us and he loves us. Maybe this morning we need to really take hold of who the Father is, what he's really like. Maybe we need to open our ears to hear Jesus' voice afresh. Lord Jesus, at this point in my life, I still want to follow Jesus. At this point, I still want to hear his voice. I don't want to miss it. It's, I remember at different points in my life, the Lord's kind of said, you've got kids now. You can't do the same things that you did in the same way. You've always got your eye on something. Are you still going to follow me at this point? When I've got to 40, I remember the Lord said, are you still going to follow me at 40? <laughs> Are we still going to follow him at this next period in our lives? Lord Jesus, let my ears be open to your voice. Let me still be a disciple of yours. Thirdly, maybe there's some specific situations you can think of this morning that are difficult. You've got difficult people around you. You've got difficult things happening. Let's ask Jesus to come into those situations and give you the grace and the generosity of spirit that you need for those difficult situations. Let me pray and then I'll, I'll hand to Debbie. Lord Jesus, I just pray, Lord Jesus, that in this place this morning, Lord, you would speak your word to our heart. Lord, we know that we need to hear you today. And God, whatever you want to speak, Lord, we want to say our ears are open, Lord. Father, we want to be just like you. We want to be just like you, Lord. And I pray that this morning, Lord Jesus, that you'd come and just fill us afresh with that love of God, that great mercy that we've received, Lord. Just an awareness of it. That, Father, we would just know that we are so loved by you. That you've forgiven us so much. Lord, help us to forgive those, Lord, that have treated us badly. 
Help us to move in grace, Lord, where we don't find it easy. Help us to find a way through, Lord Jesus, where it doesn't seem clear. Lord, I thank you that you are good and that your love endures forever. And Lord, I pray that we would live in the good of that. We'd live in the light of that, Lord, in our world that can be so challenging. Lord, I pray, Jesus, that you would come and fill us afresh with your spirit. That, Father, there would be just light in our workplaces and light in our homes and light in our towns and cities, Lord. Father, we thank you for your word and that you change us through it. And I pray today, Lord, let us hear your voice and respond to you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen, Lord. Amen, Lord. Let your living word abide in me so richly as I abide in you. Let your living